Hello, everyone. This is Mike Sedan with the Crucial Talks podcast. If you get a chance, I'd really appreciate some good reviews and subscriptions to the podcast so I can attract even more people to this community. I'd also love to connect with you, so please visit www.crucialtalks.com and connect with me. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or through email. Regardless of where we all work or what we all do while at work, tragedy will someday hit us. The tragedy could be as bad as a death or serious injury, but can also be more psychological, like merging with another company, losing a boss, or layoffs. In today's episode, we're going to talk about trauma and how trauma affects workers and how we can communicate with each other to reduce the impact of traumatic events. Now, part of this show is going to look back at Deepwater Horizon. Deepwater Horizon was an offshore drilling rig that exploded almost eight years ago to the day, and that's why I'm talking about it. One, it's to remember that bad things can happen. And two, it's to think about how important our employees are, how important people are to everything we do in these human-based systems, and how we can help people. So first, we need to talk about trauma and what a traumatic event is. A traumatic event is a perception. It's a perception of something that has happened. And that word perception is important because it is perceived by a person that is experiencing the event. It's a perception of an intense or life-changing or life-threatening event. In my opinion, the trauma of an event is a psychological process. So if we use a psychological process to deal with it, we might have a better chance to help people. Much of what we do in our organizations, in our families, in our communities, is about communicating. And because human beings are social storytelling animals, communication can be a very effective way to deal with psychological issues. Now, let's listen to a clip. This is a clip from the movie Deepwater Horizon, and it's based on what happened to the Deepwater Horizon drilling rig on April 20th, 2010. We want to listen to it and think about what is happening psychologically to people. So take a quick listen to this clip. Walk with me, Mike. Where are we headed? Murder some BP company men. Wow. Well, Don Madrine and Bob Kaluza. Welcome back, Mr. Jim. Oh, yeah. So, you got all 500 feet of cement poured, huh? Yep. That cement's the only thing between us and the blowout. And it's cured. Yes. Had enough time, huh? Takes time to do it right. I mean, that cement job is compromised and everything above it is too. Well, it's not compromised. Houston doesn't have a problem. So I assume the Slumber J guys said the same. Cement bond log they ran said the same, yeah. We are confident in the integrity of our cement job, are we not? Well, we're quite comfortable with the integrity of that cement, that's for true. <laughs> you guys, just like my granddad. Pardon. You see, my granddaddy, he, uh, he never even went to the dentist because he didn't want to know all what was wrong because then he'd have to deal with it. You don't want to know if that cement job on this well is shit because you're 43 days and $50 million over budget. You really should include yourself in that, Mr. Jimmy. BP picked this spot to drill, Bob. Consequences, that's on you guys. Of course, I got to try to deal with those consequences, so yeah, I'm included. The point is, you sent the testing team home before they could do their job, maybe give y'all some news y'all didn't want to hear. What would it have cost you to run that test, huh? 125 grand? 
You're a hundred eighty billion dollar company, and you're cheap. That's why we're a hundred eighty six billion dollar company. We worry about those bills. I worry about my rig. My crew lives on it. You just rent it. Don, you and I both know we need some downtime for maintenance. Mike, how many of our machines need repair? Uh, three ninety, Mister Jimmy. Three hundred nine. Yes, sir. Almost ten percent all the machinery aboard. Name a few for me. A few. I would love to hear exactly what piece of mission-critical equipment are down. A drilling chair, process station 18, BOP control pods, telephone system, pipe racket system, GPS antenna, direct TV system, wireless internet, iron roughneck, top drive rack bag system, auxiliary drawers, control, salt water service pump, smoke alarms, and a galley. The reason why you're sweating so hard is because the compressor with the AC on this deck are down, too. Who are you? Mike Williams, Chief ET. I'm gonna tell you like I told your executives on the chopper ride in and how about the timing of that visit. We gonna properly secure this well for a production platform come in right after us and start pumping oil. Unfortunately, to do it properly takes time. 43 days. 44 days. Keep counting, Bob. 45 days. 46 days. Have a cookie, Bob. Uh, can't run a cement log. I'll tell you what we're gonna do now. We're going to run a negative pressure test before we do anything else. If you really think we need to. I really think we need one, Bob, and so should you. Especially since we got no idea whether this well is stable or not. <laughs> Jason, are you seeing this? Jason, are you seeing this? Now, in the future, we may talk about Deepwater Horizon again and discuss it from a system standpoint. But today, we're going to talk about it from a human perspective and what we can do to reduce the traumatic impact to the human being. What can we do psychologically to help? And how can we use communication as a tool to do that? Now, you may be thinking this only applies to traumatic events like an explosion that results in death, injury, environmental destruction, and high financial losses. However, the benefits of this episode do not just apply to these types of events. Remember, trauma is a psychological process that is based on perception of the person who suffers. So not only does it apply to both man-made and natural disasters, it can also apply to events that result in individual financial loss and no physical injury at all. Listen to this next clip, and then we'll discuss how this thought of trauma can have an impact and how communication based on social identity can help people. Do you like the Jamie Kennedy experiment? Yeah. And punked and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Okay. Um, you were going to be my accomplice. Just go along with it, okay? All right. Just follow my lead. <clears throat> don't pimp me, all right? Come in. So, uh, corporate just said that I don't you want to... Oh, thank you, sure. Pam. Pam, can you come in here for a sec? Just have a seat. I was going to call you in anyway. Um, you know, Ryan? Um, as you know, there's going to be downsizing. And uh, you have made my life so much easier in that I am going to have to let you go first. What? Why? Why? Well, theft and stealing. Stealing? Mm -hmm. 
Um, wh what am I supposed to have stolen? Post-it notes. Post-it notes? Yeah, God. What are those worth, like, 50 cents? 50 cents, yeah. You steal a thousand post-it notes at 50 cents a piece, and, you know, you've made a profit margin. You know, go run us out of business, Pam. Are you serious? Yeah, I am. Um, I can't believe this. I mean, I've never even stolen as much as a paperclip, and now you're firing me. But the best thing about it is that, uh, we're not gonna have to give you any severance pay. Because that is gross misconduct, and, uh, I just clean out your desk? I'm sorry. an ex-punk. <laughs> Surprise, it's a joke. We were joking around. <laughs> See, okay, he was in on it. He was my accomplice. And there was just kind of a morale booster thing. And we were showing the new guy around, kind of kind of giving him the feel of the place. So, <laughs> you sh God, you were, we totally got You're you. a jerk. I don't know about that. In that clip, we got to see how one person's perception can differ greatly from another. They're experiencing the same thing at the same time, but they have different perspectives. So we get a chance to see how the perception of one person can create trauma in their mind, when the perception of the other person may lead to no trauma at all. In this clip, Michael knows the whole story and knows it's a joke. Pam does not. Her perception causes trauma because she sees the event as something that is life-altering. She is not only losing income, she is losing purpose. She is losing friends she sees every day. These things can have some serious psychological impact on people. It's not just the finances. It's that sense of esteem people get from the work they do. It's that sense of belonging people get from working with other people, from being part of a team, from having friends. In this clip... We can see it doesn't take a physical event. We can see how devastating words can be. So if words can be devastating, if words can be weapons, words can also be positive. Words can also help us. Communication is extremely important when dealing with systems where we count on people to succeed because of the power of words. Communication is something we do every day. And it's a major part of what makes people who they are. Communication lets leaders guide, direct, motivate, and inspire others. It plays a major role in everything we do as a group and in our organizations. It's critical to our companies, to our communities, and to our families. It flows in all directions, from the top to the bottom and horizontally between people, outside and inside our groups. Communication flow can not only cause trauma, it can also be used to positively help people, to help ensure people remain effective in a negative environment, and it helps people prepare for negative outcomes. The way communication can help is by providing a means to intervene during critical times. These intervention tools can influence the outcome of a traumatic experience. So there's no way we are going to prevent every traumatic incident. It just cannot happen. Accidents will happen. 
people will get hurt or killed. Employees will lose jobs. Our team members may experience loss in their personal lives, like the death of a loved one or a divorce. These things will happen. We don't have control over that. So what do we have control over? We have control over our relationships. We have control over our communication skills. We have control over the way we interact with others. So we'll never be able to take that sting away completely. We're not going to be able to just take the pain away by what we say. There's no such thing as armor strong enough to protect against a traumatic event. However, we may be able to help with mitigating the impact and recovering from the event. So today there are three tools I'd like to provide to you, and I'd love to hear your feedback on these. These tools allow you to focus how we communicate to reduce the impact of a traumatic event and to help people recover. The first thing we can do is we need to communicate a sense of preparedness. People that feel prepared for an event are more readily able to absorb the event when it happens. Second, we can promote a sense of family, a sense of community, or a sense of team. What we're trying to do is provide a feeling of togetherness and cohesiveness. When people feel like they are part of a supportive group, they can absorb more negative psychological events. Third, we can communicate by emphasizing the positive. Rather than just focus on the bad thing that happened, we can focus on the positive things we can do to adjust the lens people are using to see the event. Remember that traumatic events are perceptions. If we can adjust the perception, we can adjust the level of trauma. So now let's dive right into the first tool, communicating the role of preparedness. Now, this idea of communicating preparedness has a number of implications, has a number of ways we can impact an event. First, it serves the positive, evaluative needs of people. What this means is that people crave a sense of belonging and purpose. By letting people know what is going on to prepare for the event, we are able to produce a positive attitude. Positive attitudes like cooperation, kindness, selflessness. Those are positive in-group attitudes that help people deal and prepare for traumatic events. In addition to feeding the positive needs of people, communicating about preparedness places a superordinate goal, this greater need, this higher level purpose that people can work together to attain. Preparing for something bad to happen gives people a way to be part of a team. The second tool is communicating in a way that creates togetherness. Again, we're looking for that, that team feeling. We're looking at that sense of being together. This feeling of belonging is what every social animal craves. This feeling of togetherness helps people deal with bad things. We can deal with more together than we can alone. The third tool is using communication to emphasize the positive. We've talked about these things before. People want to feel good about themselves and the groups they belong to. The reason I think this is valid is because people get a feeling of well-being, self-worth, and esteem when they have this positive outlook. By focusing on the positive, we can reduce the impact of a traumatic event. Like I said, we're not going to be able to prevent traumatic events. We just cannot do that. We can't prevent everything. We will have to prepare for them, respond to them, and recover from them. That we can all be sure of. We can also be sure that preparing, responding, and recovering will require other people. 
and will require communication. Those things are certain. If we truly want to help each other, if we truly want to have a healthier environment where we work, where we live, we can focus on these three ways to communicate. First, communicate the role of preparedness. Second, communicate to promote a feeling of togetherness. Third, communicate in a way that emphasizes the positive. What we're doing is focusing on these positive in-group relationships, bringing people together, giving them a goal they can all try to attain together. No matter what their responsibility, no matter what their rank in the organization, people that work together feel together. And by creating this sense of togetherness, we create a team that can absorb more because people aren't alone. And we can do a lot more together than we can apart. In this episode, we've talked about how communication plays a role in responding to, mitigating, and recovering from these traumatic events we know are going to happen. Not only can these techniques help with traumatic events, but they can help on a day-to-day. Motivation, morale, forward thinking, strategic planning, all these things can be impacted by these same three tools. So just give them a try. Let me know how it goes and let me know what you think. If you'd like to talk more about this positive approach to human and organizational performance, please reach out to me, www.crucialtalks.com. That's a website you can go to. There's an email there and links to my LinkedIn profile and Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, if you would like me to present to your organization, if you have any advice for me or what you'd like to hear in a future episode, please reach out. And please share the podcast, rate it, subscribe to it. I'd love to get more listeners so we can build this community. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.